Let me take this time to greet you all in the wonderful name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. We thank God for bringing us together this morning to worship Him and to hear His word as He speaks to us. Uh, let me take this time before we begin to welcome our visitors. Uh, I see um, Tando there. Um, get to know her after church. She's at the back there. Um, so yeah, I don't think there's any other new first-time visitors, is there? Um, so yeah, uh, get to know her. What we've been doing um, before the Easter week was we were going through a topical series. Um, I, I personally don't like topical series that much, but sometimes they are necessary for us to deal with uh, various um, topics that I think are important to, to get to know. So this topical series, we are calling it God's Growth Plan for Believers. God's Growth Plan for Believers. And right after that, we'll um, go through the book of uh, Mark, the Gospel according to Mark as our series. We'll start a series on the Gospel according to Mark. But uh, for this coming few weeks, we will finish um, the uh, the series, this topical series, God's Growth Plan for believers and we've seen um, in the first two parts of the series um, the fact that God's word does the work and we saw that prayer is powerful this morning I want you to see the that the flock needs shepherds the flock needs shepherds so this, in other words, is the importance of pastors for the local church. A local church without pastors will not flourish. Let us take this time and pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, our Lord and God, we want to thank you. We want to bless your name, O oh God. As we draw near to you this morning, we pray that you speak to us through your word that we will be a people that are humble to obey your word. A people that seek to do your will. Help me, Lord, as I declare your word this morning. May you be praised. May you be glorified. Um, give me clarity of speech and clarity of thought that your word will go forth with power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So as I said, for the, this will be part three of the series. And what we see, especially as a testimony in the Word of God, is that Christ has clearly given the church a mission. Right? We are called to make disciples of Jesus Christ who glorify God. We are called to be disciples of Jesus Christ who glorify God. But we are also given certain means. These are the means of grace that we've been mentioning, or, or ways. In other words, what that tells us is that in order for us to grow as Christians, we don't have to find our own ways, our own creative ways. God has already revealed, and God has already given us a plan on how to grow as Christians. We've seen that we grow through the word and we grow through prayer. God's word does the work um, in transforming us into the image of Christ. And prayer is powerful to accomplish God's works in our lives. 
Now, over the next two weeks, today and uh, next week, we are going to talk about the role of pastors, first of all, and the role of fellowship in building up the body. On one hand, the sheep or the flock needs shepherds. The, the, the church needs pastors and elders who keep watch over their souls. But we don't believe that pastors and elders do all the work, do we? Everybody, everybody in the body of Christ has a role to play in discipleship. We, 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 we've each been given spiritual gifts to build up the body. So while the sheep needs shepherds, we also, and I want you to, to see this, especially next week as you prepare your minds, we also need one another. We also need one another. In other words, this, this both and the reality is drawn out clearly from the Bible. If you look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 to 13, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 tells us about how Christ has given us all these, uh, um, all, 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 all these offices, the, including the shepherds and teachers, and this is what it says, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. In other words, Christ gave pastors to the church so the church could come to maturity in Christ. And that's clear. That's in the Bible. But we also, he also gave gifts to each member of the church so that they can build up the body. Right? I mean, the foundation of the church, the foundation of a building is not the whole building, is it? There are other parts of the building, right? There are bricks that, that make up the walls. There are windows. There are, there's a roof. There are doors and door frames and so on and so forth. It is not only the foundation that makes up the whole house. We don't come and build the foundation and leave, do we? Both are true and necessary for us to become mature followers of Christ. We need each other. And the sheep, the flock, needs shepherds. But why does the church need pastors and elders? To, under, to answer that question, we need first to ask, what is the role, right? And what are the responsibilities of pastors and elders? And I think this is very important to understand, especially in our time. And what are the requirements of being a pastor and an elder. I think that after we, we answer these questions, it will be clear why the church needs pastors and elders. So to divide our time the rest of this morning, I want to deal with four things. The role, the responsibility, the requirements for pastor, elders, and then our response to this teaching our response to this teaching. And I want to give two applications, one for the church, obviously, again, one for pastors and elders as we think about the Word of God. Let's begin with the role of pastors and, and elders. When you look at the New Testament, the testimony of the New Testament, it uses the terms pastor and elders 
in an interchangeable way. In other words, the, the, the words pastor and elder are not different from one another. And I believe, as you look at the Bible, they refer to the same office. For example, when you look at Acts chapter 20, verse 17, Paul addresses the Ephesian elders in Acts chapter 20, verse 17, and in verse 28, he says to them, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. And he's speaking to all the elders of the church in Ephesus. So he's speaking to the elders and he's calling them to shepherd or to pastor the flock. We see something similar in First Peter chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. Peter is writing to this church and to, to these people that are... Uh, are being uh, persecuted. Remember, uh, last week we spoke about um, when we were looking at chapter 1 of First Peter that the, the, the persecution that they were experiencing was social persecution. They were being mocked for their faith. And he's writing to these people and he writes, addressing also the elders in their midst. And he says to them in chapter 5, verse 1 to 2, he says, I exhort the elders among you shepherd the flock of God that is among you exercising oversight. I love those two terms, among you. So before we look at the role of a pastor or an elder, it's important to say that the position is basically the same. So throughout this sermon, when I say elder or I'm referring to pastors, and when I say pastor, I'm referring to, to elders. So what is the role of a pastor or an elder? Well, the fundamental role of a pastor-elder is that of a shepherd. A pastor-elder is called to shepherd the flock that is among them. And this, this idea of shepherding sheds a light on the nature of their role because the Bible spends a lot of time developing the shepherd theme. <clears throat> the shepherd metaphor that the Bible uses comes from the ancient Near Eastern world. And there are two facts you need to know about this metaphor. First of all, most of the shepherds in the in the ancient Near East were hired hands, right? They were hired shepherds. In other words, they were under shepherds. They, they, they cared for someone else's sheep, not their own. Therefore, their role was that of a steward. They had a stewardship role when it came to their task as shepherds. They had to answer to the chief shepherd, the one who owned the sheep. Second, the shepherds in the ancient Near East had three main responsibilities. They were called to feed the sheep, first of all, secondly, to lead the sheep, and thirdly, to protect the sheep, to feed, lead, protect. Think about their two main tools that they had. And I think the, 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 the psalmist in Psalm 23 talks about the, 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 his staff and his rod, right? 
They had a staff, and this was mainly for leading the sheep out of trouble and, and, and to good pastures to feed them. And they had a rod as well. This was mainly for protecting them from predators. And sometimes when they go astray, it was also to discipline we see something very similar in the biblical use of the of the metaphor think about it god is the shepherd of his people the, the, the sheep belongs to god isn't that what the psalmist says in psalm 23 verse 1 he says the lord is my shepherd in, in other words the implication is i belong to the lord God feeds, he leads, and he protects his sheep. But at the same time, God delights to use human under-shepherds to feed, lead, and protect his people. Timothy Laniak calls this a divine preference for human agents. A divine preference for human agents. God knows his sheep and, and human shepherds on the front lines. Think about the literal sheep, right? You, you really see sheep in the wild. Sheep were made to have shepherds. And they must follow their shepherds or they will become lost, hungry, and exposed. They may even wind up dead without shepherds. God is the shepherd of his people, but he delights to use under shepherds to lead, feed, and protect them. The, the, the primary examples of under-shepherds in the Old Testament, we, we see them especially in Moses and we see them in David, right? It is interesting that both Moses and David shepherded someone else's literal sheep before they became shepherd of God's people. Moses shepherded Jethro's flock, David Jesse's flock, his father's flock. They needed to learn the lesson of stewardship before they were called to be stewards over God's people. But while Moses and David were great examples of biblical under-shepherds, they were also examples of how human shepherds can easily fail. David's failure with Bathsheba and Uriah is a sad example, isn't it? Instead of feeding, leading, and protecting the sheep, D.A. Carson says this. It's, it's, I found this uh, very funny. He says this. He says he was fleecing the flock and roasting the mutton. How often do human shepherds feed themselves instead of caring for the flock? But God, listen to this. God will not tolerate selfish shepherds who don't take care of his sheep. He will hold them accountable. David's failure was just the beginning of the failures of shepherd kings that would follow him. Eventually their failure was so bad that God sent the Jews into exile and promised to punish their bad shepherds. But he also promised that he himself will shepherd his people. This is found in Ezekiel chapter 34. If we may just open our Bibles to Ezekiel chapter 34. Ezekiel chapter 34, we'll read three sections, verse 7 to 10, verse 15 to 16, verse 23, and verse 24. Ezekiel 34, verse 7 to 10. Listen as God's word is read. God says, Therefore you shepherds hear the word of the Lord 
as i live declares the lord surely because my sheep have become a prey and my sheep have become food for all the wild beasts since there was no shepherd and because my shepherds have not searched for my sheep but the shepherds have fed themselves and have not fed my sheep do you hear this therefore you shepherds hear the word of the lord thus says the lord god behold i'm against the shepherds and i will require my sheep at their hand and put a stop to their feeding the sheep no longer shall the shepherds feed themselves i will rescue my sheep from their mouths that they will they may not be food for them the shepherds had turned into wolves instead of taking care of the sheep feeding the sheep and protecting the sheep they ate the sheep look at verse 15 and 16 the lord says i myself will be the shepherd of my sheep and i myself will make them lie down declares the lord i will seek the lost and i will bring back the strayed and i will bind up the injured and i will strengthen the weak and the fat and the strong i will destroy i will feed them in justice verse 23 and verse 24 and i will set up over them one shepherd my servant david and he shall feed them he shall feed them and be their shepherd and i the lord will be their god and my servant david shall be prince over them and i am the lord i have spoken now think about this if you're a careful bible reader and you read that passage you'll be like wait a minute wait a minute god says i will set over them one shepherd my servant david wait a minute david is dead isn't he david is dead so god is referring to someone different here remember the covenant that god made with david that there will be that his kingdom will be forever that there will be one from his line who will be king and who will not be replaced when god promises a shepherd of his people he promises a davidic shepherd over them and here he's referring to the messiah the future messiah and jesus fulfills the promise perfectly jesus is the good shepherd he is the shepherd who fulfills this prophecy he's the good shepherd who is both god himself and a human davidic under shepherd but unlike davidic shepherds who came before him and uh, uh, and failed he didn't fail the sheep we see in john chapter 10 he's the shepherd who protects the flock by laying down his life when you look at chapter 10 verse 11 he is the shepherd who became the sacrificial lamb he's the good shepherd who knows his sheep and he calls them by name and leads them out of sin to the pasture of abundant eternal life he's the shepherd who feeds his flock on the bread of eternal life if they will place their trust in him 
Peter noted this about Jesus, didn't he? In John chapter 6 when he said, where else can we go? Because you have the words of eternal life. Human shepherds will never lead, feed, or protect us perfectly. Our only hope is to fall on the mercy of God in Christ. That's one reason it's so important for all human shepherds, for all pastors and elders, to remember that they are first and foremost sheep who belong to the chief shepherd. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing that the shepherds under shepherds are also sheep? They also need your encouragement. We need your encouragement. We need to be prayed for, just as you need to be prayed for. Because we are also sheep. We are not super saints. We are not super Christians. We are also sheep. But until the chief shepherd returns, God still delights to use under shepherds to keep watch over the flock. He commissions Peter to feed his flock at the end of John. Remember, after the resurrection and Jesus is sitting with Peter, he says, Simon, son of, uh, son of John, do you love me? And Peter says, yes, feed my sheep. Peter and the apostles then continue to do this. As they plant churches all over the ancient world, they appoint elders in every city. And this continues even today. It continues even today. This is the big picture of what a shepherd is and what a shepherd does. And also, now let us talk about responsibilities of pastor elders. If the role of an elder is primarily one of a shepherd, then we are not primarily a board of directors setting policy for the church. We are shepherds and overseers of the flock of God, purchased with his own blood. And this should inform everything that we do. It informs our responsibilities. If we are shepherds, we are called to lead the flock, to feed the flock, to protect the flock. The main way that pastors and and elders lead, feed, and protect is through the word and prayer. That the ministry of the word and prayer are critical for all believers. We've seen that the word does the work, didn't we? And that prayer is powerful, but it's especially important for pastor elders. There's no wonder that leaders in Acts chapter 6 needed help waiting on the tables so they could devote themselves to the ministry of the word and prayer. Let me just give a couple of examples of, of what I mean. Clearly, Pastors are called to feed the flock with the word, right? This happens in our preaching and administering of ordinances. These are foundational for the church. The authority of a pastor elder is a derived authority. I hope that is clear. 
In other words, we don't have intrinsic authority. We have derived authority. Our authority does not come naturally from us. The flock doesn't belong to us. God is their shepherd. God is your shepherd. God is our shepherd. So it only makes sense that the main way we as shepherds, when we shepherd God's people, when we shepherd you as God's people, is by his word. We feed the flock of God by the word of God and we desire to grow in doing so. We desire to do it well. We desire to do it excellently. We desire to do it faithfully. We also lead the church with the word. There's so much out there on leadership theory and best practices, right? And an elder can make use of these things. But the main way an elder leads is through applying the means of grace found in God's word to the life of the church so that the, ch- the, the flock will become devoted disciples of Jesus Christ. Pastors and elders are called to protect the flock. That the main thing we protect the flock from is false doctrine and false living that accompanies false doctrine. That's why an elder must be able to teach sound doctrine and to refute those who oppose it. As elders, we we have a huge responsibility. I'm not preaching to just um, when you when you think about our church, our CBC. There's only two elders in the church. It's myself and 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 uh, Mr. Nyoni. But that's not how we want it to be. I'm preaching because I'm also calling you out. I'm calling men to take a firm stand. Men who who desire to serve God in this way. I'm calling you. These are our responsibilities as pastor elders. Lead, feed, and protect the flock. But before we can lead, feed, and protect the flock, we have to know the flock. We have to know the flock. Jesus knows his sheep, doesn't he? He knows them by name. And as pastors and elders, we have to know the flock. At a high level, this means that we need to know who's actually in the flock. The the elders in the local church are not called to shepherd every Christian everywhere. I become surprised when I go to some church and uh, when I'm invited and someone says, my pastor. I'm a pastor, but I'm not your pastor. Peter calls elders to shepherd, listen to this, and in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 2, shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Who is the flock that is among us? Is it everybody that walks in the door? Just regular attenders or just members? This is a difficult question that the elders have been wrestling with. 
We know that we are not called to provide pastoral care to anyone who walks in the door. And we know that at a minimum, we are called to shepherd the members of the church. And that's one of the benefits of joining a church, isn't it? It's one of the benefits of being a member of the church. One thing that I thank God about is that our church is small, but I don't want it to be small, um, to, to remain small like this. Is that we, we can get to know you. The, the elders have a huge responsibility to know the members, but the members must avail themselves to be known. You cannot be a member and not have the elders know where you live, know about your life. The, 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 the only way we can do our shepherding work well is know about your life. We're not trying to infringe on your privacy. No, that's not the, that's not the point. The, the, the point is, in order to do our shepherding work faithfully and skillfully, in order to do it well, we need to know you. You see, church is not about coming to Sunday, coming, filling the, the seats, and going back home. It's not about that. There's life in the community. We need to develop relationships. We need to know you. We need to know what's happening in your life. If you remember this church, there's no question that we are called to keep watch over your soul. And so, if you're not a, mem- not a member yet of this church, but call it your church home, I'd encourage you to join the church. We have a couple of people that are in membership that have recognized that are in, in uh, going through the membership class, that have recognized the need to join the local church, to be part of the community. I encourage you, if you are not a part of the community yet and you were not thinking about it, but you are regular, I encourage you to think about it. Not because I want you to join the church, but because it's biblical. The, the idea of a Christian who, is, who does not have a local church is nowhere to be found in the, church, in, in the Bible. There's this idea of, uh, and people say, I'm not going to church because I'm the church. There's no way in the Bible where a person can be the church by themselves. A church is a gathering of the saints. When you are on your own, during lockdown, we didn't have church. And I think I was making it clear during uh, the virtual sermons, didn't I? I was saying we are not gathering as a church. The only time we can be the church is when we are here. There is no such thing as virtual church. There is no such thing as online church. Church is a gathering of God's people. So surely, we are responsible to know about the flock than simply who is on the membership role. We are also called to know the flock relationally. We need to know what's going on in your lives, as I said. We need to know how best we can feed, lead, and protect you. But this presents us another challenge, right? The challenge of opening your doors. In the next couple of months, we will put down a plan on how to do visitations. Um, uh, our deacon, um, Wilbert uh, Guazoka, will put down a list of when we can come to your houses 
as elders. We, we don't want to just hear the word and not implement the word, right? We want the word to be the life of the church. And I encourage you as you think about these things, you pray for us. As we think about this challenge of shepherding you well, we take it very seriously. We know that one day we'll have to give an account before God for how we shepherd the flock among us. One day we will stand before God to give an account for you, for each and every one of you. So we are considered, we've considered the role and responsibility of um, shepherd pastors. But what are the requirements of being an elder? Who can fill this role? This is an important question for you. Some of you may aspire to be an elder someday. There are three things required of elders. They must be called. They must have godly character. And they must be competent to shepherd. You see, when it comes to, to calling, there are three actors in the calling process. There is God, there is the man, and there is the church. That the Holy Spirit makes men overseers over the church. When you look at Acts chapter 20, verse 28, Christ gives pastors to the church. We saw that in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. So in that sense, God calls the pastor elders. But we are also told that a man must aspire to the office of an overseer. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. If anyone aspires to the office of an overseer, he desires a noble task. So in that sense, there's an internal call as well, right? But as much as that can be subjective, it can be subjective, right? And so the third element of the call is needed. The church must call pastors and elders. They must lay hands on them, 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 22, and confirm their calling. When, when um, myself and Mr. Nyoni, when you confirmed our calling to be your elders, you were saying, these are the men that we will follow. Obviously, so long as they follow God, right? You don't follow us blindly. Not only is Pastor Elder called, they must be competent for the task as well. This involves the ability to teach and to lead. Uh, of all the requirements in 1 Timothy chapter 3, the ability to teach is the only one that is unique. Everything else is basic Christian character. And that makes sense. If the main uh, way we, we shepherd is by the word, then it makes sense that we would be competent in the word as well. An elder must also be able to lead his own family well. For if he can't lead his own family, how can he care for the church of God? One of the problems in our days, we tend to elevate competence over character. If one person is talented, we tend to think they are qualified. This is not the Bible's view. Remember what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, when he was about to go on this poetic description of God's love, and he says this, If I speak in the tongues of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers, but have not love, I am nothing. It doesn't matter how gifted you are, if you don't have love. 
In a similar way, Paul says that an elder must be above reproach. This doesn't mean that they have to be sinless. I said that we are sheep, right? We are also sheep. It doesn't mean that we have to be sinless, but we have to be above reproach. If there's an accusation of sin that is laid on us, it shouldn't stick. If that were the case of being perfect, who would serve, right? But in other words, they need to have a reputation of godly character or they are not qualified. So we've considered the role, responsibilities, and requirements for pastor elders. And I, I know we've covered um, a lot in a little bit of time, right? But I hope you have a sufficient sketch of what I was trying to talk about. And I hope you see why the flock needs shepherds and what kind of shepherds you need. Now, I want to ask a practical question. How should you respond to what you've learned? How should you, as a member of this church, respond? How should you respond if you are in the role of a pastor or an elder? I'm talking to myself and to Mr. Nyoni. And I would add, how should you respond if you aspire to the office of an elder? You see, for, 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 for church members, you are called to obey your leaders and to submit to them. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17 says, Obey your leaders and submit to them for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will give an account let them do this with joy and not with groaning for that will be no advantage to you this verse implies that your pastors and elders have an authority role in your life they are keeping watch over your souls and to to the degree that they are faithful to god's word you are called to obey your leaders and submit to them what do you think about that? We, we live in a culture that values independence and self-sufficiency, right? We, we live in a culture that values autonomy and is skeptical to authority. So, so the Bible's teaching that the sheep need shepherds may, may, may sound a little foreign to a culture that we find ourselves in. And, and the fact that pastors and elders have authority in the church is even harder to swallow. Some of you might think it's a little self-serving of me, um, a pastor and elder, to be teaching you about how to obey and submit to your pastors and leaders. And some may not like the idea that you are called to obey and submit to your pastors and elders. We see the same tension in marriage relationships, don't we? Wives are called to submit to their husbands, Ephesians chapter 5. That's not a very popular idea in our culture. But if you are familiar with the Bible's teaching on marriage, you also know that husbands are given a big responsibility in marriage. They are accountable to God and they are called to sacrifice for the good of their wives. And that balances things out. Even though submission is a hard idea, so is sacrificial service. The same is true of pastor elders. Not only does Hebrews chapter 13 verse 7 say that the church is called to submit and obey to their pastors, it, is, it also says that pastors and elders are called to serve the church is good, knowing they'll have to give an account to God. Neither response is easy. It is not easy to submit, but it's also not easy to self-sacrificially knowing that you'll have to answer to God. That's a heavy responsibility too. But it's the balance of responsibilities that makes the relationship work. And we must also remember that this is God's plan 
for us to reach maturity in Christ. And that's our goal, isn't it? I will say this as my last word to you. We want to serve you with joy. We want to serve you with delight in our hearts. Please, let us be shaped by God's word as God's people. Amen. Let's pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, our Lord and God, we thank you for your word. Sometimes we just realize how hard your word is to hear. But it is your word. Give us an attitude of humility, Lord. An attitude of meekness. Submission to your word. May you bless the church as we think about our way, our life, our community. May it all be governed by your word. In Jesus' blessed name we pray. Amen.